Hey listeners, welcome to Bar Karate, the sailing podcast. My name's Jordan Spencer and it's that time of the week where we get to hang out with some cool sailors, but of course I have to share the mic with my two idiot mates. First off, Mr. Brett Perry. Greetings, exalted one. How are you, BP? <laughs> uh, does it effectively mean you're old when you win the Grandmasters? Oh yeah, mate, you're ancient, yeah. <laughs> You've got to go down in a wheelchair for that one. Beauty, love it. <laughs> Congratulations. So it's real. So it's real. I'm, I'm old. I'm old. <laughs> yeah, let's bring in the other no, old bloke. Very good. Talk about it later on, but all good. Okay. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. Mr. Nick Boss. And I had the honour of handing over the Grandmasters trophy to one Brett Perry and, the, and his team, of course. So, yeah, I think you're by the end of that regatta, though, whew, I think everyone was a bit old got to tell you i got to say it was uh, yeah it was not easy it was a hard hard week but we'll talk about it a bit later on i'm pretty sure that uh, there's a few laughs to be had very cool yeah i've got a uh, got a bit of a scroll here with about a million things to talk about so um yeah <laughs> let, let's get cracking boys <laughs> oh let's get into it all right um well what there, as Bicey said, there was a heap to talk about, and uh, we actually were thinking of not going with a guest just so we could rip through everything. But then, one of our little mates, the man we call the fourth Barkeradian, the man that's been there from the start, um, Mr. Harry Fisher, went and the fourth won, leg. Hey, the fourth leg. The fourth, the fourth leg. leg. Mr. Harry Fisher went and won the Sharpie Nationals. Now the Sharpies are a class close to all of our hearts. God all, damn him. We've all sailed the Sharpies, some better than others, and, uh, and he's gone out and won it. So we want to welcome him to the show. And, of course, Harry, being the consummate entertainer, has provided his own intro. So welcome, Mr. Harry Fisher. Behold the king. <laughs> the king of kings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Is that a fish? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, boys. Good to be with you. Um, any wrestling fans in the house? Because that is the uh, Ascentrance theme music of the one, the only, the Triple H. Oh, fantastic. Oh. Well, does that mean that we now actually got to actually call you the Kingfish? Well, it's actually, BP, the entrance music that Triple H plays when he is world champion. So um, considered it uh, to be timely after the win over in Hobart. So, um Good to be here, boys. Fourth leg, finally on air, and um, thanks for having me. What, what came first, Harry? The fact that you had to aspire to win a national or world championship, for that matter, of which we can, we can discuss about the Sharpie shortly, or um, that song? <laughs> I think I've been pre-orchestrating my national championship celebrations for the last 17 years. So <laughs> um, I never thought it would actually happen because I was too self-indulged in what happens afterwards. But, um, but yeah, pretty excited <laughs> to get it done. So get to now, people have been asking what I do now and I say I'll probably celebrate for the next three to 15 years. <laughs> and, then, and then I move into the uh, past champions category from that point on, I think. So. Well, I guess the good thing is the book was flying around down in, uh, down in South Australia when I was there. The, uh, the, the um, perpetual sort of long-lasting book that's been around since the start of the Sharpies. You, you're going to go into that. Pride and joy. Yeah. 
Sharpie Legends book. I might have yeah. to write an article for it. <laughs> <laughs> Triple H, buy one Harry Fisher. <laughs> buy one, get one, write one. Yeah. Love it. Very good. Oh, well, beauty. the obvious thing. So, big show, boys. I was just going to say, the obvious thing is congratulations, mate. You're sailing with Alex Blacker. Um, and so that's a pretty new boat. Um, two fairly and new Keeney, boats. And Keeney, Sean Keane. Yeah. Two fairly new boats at the top. And then uh, the old legend, Mark Soz, coming in in third place. Um, what was the difference? How come you guys won? Look, I always say that the, the trick to winning a Sharpie Nationals is you need to be a top five boat and then you need a shitload of luck. <laughs> um, we were fortunate enough to be pretty consistent over the course of the 10 races. Um, we're really, really happy with the product um, underneath us, the yacht lab, the brand new Yacht Lab boat, which is now a year old. Um, Noah Taylor, who came second, is also on a Yacht Lab boat. Um, obviously, Blackers had done a, a heap of work to get that up to speed. Um, but then, you know, like it always is, you just put put together a really good regatta. We had a black flag early in the event, which took us a while to discard. Um, but then once things sort of started to settle out towards the last couple of days, we just had to sail better than the boats around us and managed to string a few good races together and put ourselves in a position to win on the last day. So, um, yeah, it's sort of all a bit of a blur, to be honest. You can't really remember each race other than the last couple in my head at the moment. But... Um, but, yeah, really well set up boat. Blackers is uh, an incredible operator when it comes to the technical side of it and he's learnt so much in the class the last few years um, to put ourselves in a position to be there. And, and then, you know, when push came to shove, we, we, we had a good event, got some good races, threw a race win in there amongst a few seconds and thirds and things and, um, and came away with the chockies. So, yeah, that's pretty much it, I suppose. <laughs> so... Uh, raced on the Derwent, was it kind of conditions that's like, oh, it's never like this here, or it's consistent um, Hobart weather? Well, Hobart, as consistent as Hobart could get, some would say, but not in a good way. A lot of people thought that they're going to be expecting a bit more breeze. We probably had, I would say, maybe five to 12 knot southerlies, the whole regatta. Mm. Um, and that gave plenty of, so, you know, the area of, of the Derwent near Sandy Bay there, there's that little spit off on the, uh, on that Western shore there down near where the club is, um, that, that sort of gave a fair bit of influence, but then people were getting a bit out of the left as well. Um, but yeah, it was pretty much that the whole regatta, except for the final day where there was, you know, anywhere between five and 15, not nor'easters, east nor'easters. So and that's really where all the tricks sort of came into it. But I think coming from Adelaide and, and a lot of the guys that came from Perth who had, um, you know, used to that sort of um, that flat left-hand track, um, some of those guys maybe got a little bit exposed. But um, I know Blackers being a bit of a river rat down here in Goolwa um, <laughs> knows, knows a thing or two about sailing in, a tricky, in tricky uh, sort of situations. And I think it really showed it's where he came into his own. So... Yeah, it's a pretty cool outcome, but it was um, it was it was as the Derwent as you would expect from the Derwent, I guess. What's going to I was going to say it's a quality fleet. I mean, we know the Sharpies have been around for a long, long time, and we did mention the uh, the, the book earlier of legends. Some um, you will, will find yourself in at some stage, but uh, quality fleet. Did you felt you had speed the whole way through the regatta, and as you just mentioned, it being sort of lighter and shifty that played into your advantage. Was that something that 
came to four because the guy that was from Canberra, uh, he was going very well too. So that was always a challenge for you. Yeah, look, <laughs> if you had to tell me before the event that we're going to win a sub 10 knot, um, you know, Hobart regatta with a dollar ten on the wire, I would have told you to get nicked. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty it's pretty daunting coming into a Sharpie regatta when you've got seven past national champions, including the reigning champion Michael Forster, who's also from Canberra. Um, you know, Mark Salisbury. I'm going to forget some of them here. Peter Chapel, Ash Gabrielson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the list goes on. There were seven past champions in the fleet. Um, Drew Latham, who's a Tasmanian as well, who won, won one before with Camel. So, you know, we were sort of coming in as as relative underdogs. We, we sort of had a goal to want to finish in the top five, which we thought would have been a good outcome. And I think anyone that was there would have seen the top five as a good outcome. But, um, but yeah, like I said, we just started putting the pieces together um, and started a good regatta. And, you know, when it came to the last couple of days, when you're in a position to, to win because you've sailed consistently, you kind of just then go into this mongrel sort of attitude where you just got to beat the guys you got to beat. And I think the the effort of Blackers and our sheet and as well, Keeney, who's just a, like, strategic and technical bulldog when it comes to this sort of stuff, just regatta management, managing the scores, everything was kind of like, you know, we just felt really well prepared to deal with all of those challenges that come with sailing in a really close event. So, um, yeah, look, it, it's overwhelming, but it's um, it's pretty cool to come away with it in such a hot fleet. Didn't did um were there was there a calculation that came into the last race that you knew you had <laughs> to get above a certain amount, or you had it in the bag, or um, well, you, the last going to sail. Well, the last um, we were second going into the last day. And Noah Taylor, who's the Canberra and you mentioned before, yeah. BP, um, he led pretty much from the get-go. So his first two days mm-hmm. at the regatta was a 2-1-1-4, and from that point on he was pretty untouchable all the way up until, you know, the last the last couple of days. Um, so we we knew what we had to do to beat him, but then you also had uh, the Wiley Fox Mark Soulsby in the mix, who was yeah. technically won it on the last day. And then also Angus Higgins, um, mm. probably familiar with that surname. Um, he was in the mix as well. So we ended up every morning, we had a bit of a tradition. We'd go down to the local coffee shop uh, near the Yacht Club there and we'd, we'd have a coffee and we'd just shoot the shit as you do, um, mainly just to keep blackers on planet Earth because, you know, sometimes you need to do that with skippers and, that are a little bit and, off the planet. And shake a bit, bit of dust, of yeah. course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, some big nights always. But... Um, but on the last day, we actually pinched one of the waitress's um, order books and we, we wrote all the scores down on it because we needed to know because the second drop was going to come into play on the last day as well. So we needed oh, to yeah. know what everyone was dropping. We needed to know what their maxim- their biggest scores were. And we had this full mathematical algorithm going on. And then we put it in a snaplock bag and I put it in my life jacket pocket going into the last day. And um, the first race of the day, we got a second and Noah got a fifth. So we were like, that's obviously a really good outcome. We knew we were in the lead. And then it all came down to defending on the last day. And we're getting the scoreboard out, you know, we're sitting there writing it all down in the boat, trying to crunch the numbers. And we'd worked out in the last race that basically we had the lead. So we just needed to beat all those guys was the strategy. But um, but also if we came f- further back than eighth, Noah's, Noah had a better drop to come back in uh, he had a seven that would have come back in and we had a 10 that would have come back in if we were behind that. So that would have put him back in front if we finished behind eighth. And 
anyway, the race starts and as typical Derwent, by the top mark, we're buried. We're in the mid-20s <laughs> and we're sitting there on the boat just looking at each other going, we need to come eighth. And I, I just remember thinking to myself internally, you'd never say it out loud, but I genuinely was like, no, nah, we're, we're cooked here. This is, um, this is all over. And then Blackers just went into another level and um, we had, it was only a two-lap race. And on the next upwind, which was the last upwind, he, we just somehow sailed our way through the fleet. I think we tacked about 11 times up that work, got something out of the right that no one else had seen all day and rounded the top mark in eight and just had to hold on. So... Meant it to was, happen. Uh, Meant to happen. Oh, I sort of said afterwards there was something supernatural going on. And fortunately enough, Noah had a bad race as well and he was behind us and he sailed through to 10th. So, you know, um, could have gone either way. And then also Mark Salisbury was leading most of the race. And if he'd won the race and we come eighth, then he would have won. And, it, and there's all this stuff going on and, and all we had to say on the boat was just, we just need to finish eighth. That's all we can, that's all we can control. And um, and to the boys' credit, like in your own mind, you might be doubting yourself that it might not happen, but then you just sort of look at the guys on the boat that are digging in and doing their job and you just got to do the same. I just kept telling myself, don't miss attack, don't leave the fucking jib cleated because then you'll probably hit the piss and you'll get in trouble <laughs> for that. And, um, but, yeah, just kept going and we got over the line and then the celebrations ensued from there and I think they're still going. Yeah, sounds like it. Um, hey, listen... The Australian Sharpie, as, as the name refers to, is a very Aussie-centric boat. Um, let's, for our international guests, just quickly give a summary of the boat and what it uh, what it entails and how it how well, it. Well, they sort of, all would uh, have won the uh, watch the doco anyway, right? <laughs> of course, they would have. Yes, <laughs> but just nice from your point of view, Harry, um, having now the Australian slash world champion, a bit like world world championship baseball. Well, uh, we actually had a, a couple of Germans racing. They flew oh. over and raced in the event, so it was the first official world title for the show. There Sharpies. you go. You're a world champion. So just a, <laughs> just a brief overview of the boat and uh, what, it, what it entails. So I guess the, the, the Australian Sharpie, uh, formerly it used to be a, the, the Australian 12 square metre back when they were like heavyweight division. So the class is about 80 years old um, and the design that we have today is, is pretty well the same um, hull design as they had back in the 30s with a lot of obviously optimizations and changes to to be modern and, and so forth so it's a six meter long or 20 foot long um chined really narrow chined um displacement hull with three people on board so a, a, a skipper a, a main hand and a and a single trapeze forward hand so mm. that's where i am i'm the i'm the big bastard up the front and the other two guys that are in the back um uh, doing most of the work so obviously the, the the having the third person in what you know in in most circles could be a two person could easily be sailed by two people in in um other classes that look the same uh, like the 505 for example the, the the third person dynamic really adds a whole nother layer of skill and teamwork to the whole thing which is what i really love about it mm. uh, you know, it, it's it's got a, a symmetrical spinnaker and a, and a pole. Um, you know, it's it's fairly underpowered boat, but it can get up and go when you um, when you really want it to. And and there's, I think there was an Australian sailing magazine story written a number of years ago by the one Jordan Spencer that said it's got enough ropes to pull to keep you happy and not too many to send you mad. So, you know. Um, it's it's a beautiful boat. I'm obviously biased, but I love the Sharpie um i've sailed them for my whole life pretty well and um 
I just think they're incredible. So, well, as we mentioned, is that article a, still yeah. um, still in a frame on your wall, Harry? Yeah, <laughs> it's the what one it, Jordan it, Spencer right? It's, it's what inspired me to become a, a yawning journalist. I think in the initial stages, so yeah. you know, reading all that fine work from the great man. I love it. I, wake, um, up, wake up every morning and give it a bit of a bow and a cheer and go, yeah, I'm, com- I'm coming at you, Jordan. I'm coming at you. Hobart with me. You know, just hung it up on the wall in the accommodation. <laughs> you gotta, you got to find everything to get yourself over the line in these situations, I think. <laughs> so the, the Sharpie, I, I've just been writing down a few he- things here because they do have several traditions in the Sharpie, mm-hmm. unlike your um, current racing formats around. It's somewhat different in the sense that the lay day is still a big thing for the Sharpie class. Is that still on the cards? Yeah, yeah. I reckon um, there was... The triangle courses? Yeah, yeah. So them, Digger? Yeah, the, um, the format is, uh, it, I guess, Sharpie sailors call it a carnival. They don't call it a regatta. They don't call it a... Um, you know, an event or anything like that. It's a carnival and there's this real family vibe to it all as well. Everyone's dear friends. Some of my best friends in the world are from other states and we catch up once a year at a Sharpie Nationals. Um, and that vibe, I think, is what bleeds through into, into the social program and the sailing program as well. So a traditional Sharpie regatta, um, we'll leave Hobart out of it for a sec because there's a few changes that they make there to accommodate the Sydney Hobart. But... Um, uh, a traditional regatta tends to start somewhere around the 28th, 29th of December, and it usually runs through to the 5th or 6th of January. Um, we have – it's better now. We have more races, nine or ten races. Back in the glory days, it used to be only five or seven races. And we always have two lay days. So um, New Year's Day is always a lay day because everyone has a has a big one on New Year's Eve. <laughs> and then um, and then the the famous States night, Chugalug, which Chugalug, um, yes. many people hear about. And I could I, honestly, I could share some videos and photos with you guys, but considering you're an international media entity, I won't because they're quite sacred to the class. Um, the 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 <laughs> and the and the well, you, you can probably give us an explanation of what the Chugalug is. I mean, well, I'm pretty sure that most people will understand, but the <laughs> the rules are quite finite for the Sharpie group. Yeah, well the. The rules go right back, not just to the drinking competition where each state puts in their four best male and four best female drinkers and tries to compete for trophies that are, you know, 50 years old and probably the, the mecca of um, Australian sporting um, <laughs> you know, culture. But the um, even right into the administration of it, it is tradition that each state um, provides a keg um, and they bring that with them from their home state of their own particular... <laughs> A choice of um, of of um, variety of beer, and um, and then that is the beer that's provided free of charge to the sailors all night. Um, obviously, there's been some changes to that over the years, where you know, with liquor licensing and transporting beer, you know, it might just be they donate to the locals. But this year, the Queenslanders from Yapoon, the bloody yahoos that they are, they brought a keg of Forex bitter all the way down to Hobart. They brought it on the ferry with them. <laughs> and, and then halfway, when he was driving, this is the Queensland president, Fraser Platt, so when he was halfway down to Geelong to get the ferry, ta- the Tassie guys ring him up and tell him that they got no beer taps at Sandy Bay. So he went down to Bunno's and he bought all the equipment to build a homemade magic box to serve the beer. And then when they arrived on States Night, the first thing we drank was Forex Bitter 
and it tasted like shit. <laughs> but, uh, but it was the thought that counts. It was the thought that counts, and that's what States Night's all about. It's the, it's the friends, the mateship, the love, the... Um, and then also the showmanship of the drinkers, you know, these some of these guys that compete and they battle around in the tail end just so that they can have their time in the sun on States Night. Um, and so the Tasmanian... Can you, oh, can, you explain, is... can you explain the rules to us? Because uh, we would love to know the entire rules. <laughs> well, I actually... Um, I, try, I used to try to compete in the um, Chuggalug. My old well, man come, won... You come day. from a pretty good pedigree. Well, the old man and my uncle... Uh, collectively between them, I think, won the trophy about 11 times. Um, <laughs> and many of those times were together. Um, but uh, both, uh, unfortunately, late uncle and late father, they're, uh, they're, maybe the drinking had a bit to do with it. Who knows? <laughs> um, I can joke about that because, you know. <laughs> you're allowed to. Yeah, you're allowed yeah. to, yeah. Um, but, no, they, uh, they, they were always a um, big part of it. But um, I used to try and compete, whereas now I just MC the thing. So I just get in there and hype it all up. Um, we've had years where each state has their own entrance music and we introduce all the drinkers and they come in. But basically it's like you'd expect four on each side, um, standard boat race, um, and, 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 you know, spill it. We have ju three judges, all one from each, one from a different state. And um, they judge all things in terms of the race, who wins, who loses, but also accounting for spillage and, um, and other acts of, um, you know, cheating. So, Bribery and treason, and, basically. <laughs> and basically, if, there's, if they're ever unsure, the, you probably can't see me, but the finger gets spun around and all the crowd goes wild and, um, and everyone chants, rerun. So if you're ever <laughs> unsure, <laughs> um, so Harry, you you're quite famous for introducing probably the second greatest cultural thing in Australian sport, and that's the sausage roll eating competition at the Dockside Festival. Is it true you'll be um, adjoining into adding a chuggalug into the main stage at next year's this year's Dockside Festival? We'll have to speak to the mayor about that one. I'd love to. <laughs> I reckon we could find. I reckon we could we might, find. We'll uh, move that one some, after hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we might have to put that. Might have to attend a you council just, meeting. You could just here. imagine it though: a team from a team from Semaphore, a team from Largs, a team from Port Adelaide, a team from Grange. <laughs> Honestly, it's it. It's just bizarre. You you look at um, the Sharpie culture around that, but it doesn't take a Sharpie event to to bring that out. What it is, I think, that's amazing with with what we do at the Sharpie events is that. You know, people are just so stoked to be there. They're so proud to to represent their class, I think, more than their state. You know, you hear of people, you know, people move states and they, they drink for different states and there's all that stuff that goes on. But it's all done because people are just so proud of, of, of their culture and, yep. um, and, and they're spending that time with their mates. And it's something that I think you get a little bit of a kick out of it, kick out of it knowing that it's been happening for 50, 60 years and that you're part of this history and that, you get celebrated just as much as, you know, the guys that win the sailing, which, you know, whether that's right or wrong, condoning that we always say that we support responsible consumption of alcohol and, and that is obviously a key part of it and we all support yep, each other off the water as well. But, but you know, everyone just has a good time and there's a chance for everyone to have their moment and no one's treated differently on or off the water. So what happens now for you, current world champion, Sharpie? You've got to obviously must be booked out with engagements and talks and all sorts of stuff over the coming weeks. <laughs> Just got to do the national tour. 
<laughs> yes, I, um, I just got off the phone with the Premier. Obviously, we're um, you got, you got home today. Coming. You got today on with us, so yeah, we've one. got I've got the homecoming parade on Wednesday down the main street, down King William ticket, Road. Ticket parade. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got three, bl- three blokes on the back of a Commodore. <laughs> Um, well, we, can make we can make your own one. That'll be heaps funny. <laughs> in all seriousness, though, it is, and 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 I think that the key thing about winning a Sharpie Nationals that that hits home is, it obviously means a lot to us. But I think what really hits home is is how much it means to other people too. So absolutely, I had the pleasure of doing the media down here at the Etchell Nationals uh, this week, and you know there are a number of past uh, Sharpie champions in that fleet: Dave Snow, Robbie Dusen, Dave Royal. Um, that are all coming up, John Bertrand, <laughs> yeah, to, to name a few. So um, that are all coming up and, um, and you know, get congratulating you and saying well done and and telling you how much the Sharpie class means, means or meant to them as well. And I think that that's what's really quite special. So for me, there's a lot of uh, fanfare. I think we're going to have um, – we've got a family dinner on Wednesday night with me, Alex and Sean and all of our families – um, partners and so forth. So there's like 25 odd people going to dinner to celebrate. Are you, are you taking the double decker bus? Mate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I reckon. Well, we've got people coming up from Goolwa. We've got people coming down from Buddy Claire for it. So, you know, it's, uh, oh, it's a big huge. deal. And then on Friday, um, don't tell Keeney's boss. Um, Mido's aware of it, I think, but, um, we're all taking the day off and we're going to have uh, just the three of us all going out for lunch to debrief and maybe just kind of enjoy our success a little bit. So the I've celebration... Just, I've, just, I've just sent Mido a quick message. <laughs> <laughs> the, the celebrations will continue uh, a long time from now, not just... Um, yeah, not just absolutely, and well deserved. Well deserved, mate. It was, it was, it was great. It was great news. We did, uh, we did get a, do a bit of a fist pump when we heard. So well done. Well, I think the big thing we've got planned is I'm just, I'm just designing the artwork now, but we're going to get our premiership tattoos, I think. So we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll get a little green Sharpie kangaroo as on as the long, ankle. As long as you don't grow a bloody mullet. <laughs> oh. No, well, I'd love to, but I'm starting to, you know, it's getting a bit thin, thin in the odd top now. Yeah, that, but you can still so, grow it at the back. Uh, Imagine it. Uh, what footy team did you play for? What the Kangaroos? Oh no, it's a Sharpie National Championship <laughs> tattoo. It's actually um, you're obviously familiar with like the stars and the moths. If you win a world title, you get the gold um, insignia on the top of the sail. And yeah. this is something I've been trying to bring back to all of our past champions. And a lot of them don't rock it, but in the Sharpie Constitution, you get to put the green kangaroo on your sail if you win. So I've already given the heads up to Sandy Higgins at Banks Marine, who's um, our agent with North Sales, who does all of our sales and stuff. So we're going to get some sticky back cut out. We get the green roo on the top for our next race and um, and make cool. sure that we fly the flag because it's traditions like that that I certainly think are, um, are things to celebrate. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go two hours without telling someone I've won a Sharpie National, so people may as well get used to it. <laughs> oh yeah, love it. We'll put we'll put the modesty in the top drawer for this one. <laughs> oh, modesty, fanfare, modesty and constitution. <laughs> I reckon that's not in the constitution of the Sharpie. Honestly, the I gave myself I gave myself till the age of fifty five to win one before I'd put the cue in the rack and do something else. <laughs> And I've won it at the age of 30. So in the next 25 years, you can listen to me bullshit about it. <laughs> oh, and well-deserved, mate. I'm happy to listen. <laughs> it's very cool, Harry. Good. Good, good. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm, um, you know, of all people, you know, I'm just super happy that uh, you, you got it because, you know, you're one of these blokes that just put gives so much and you were president of the class. I, don't, I think you still are, aren't you? So, you know, that whole thing. And I, I love the concept of doing the green kangaroo. I think that that, that should just be mandatory. You should, uh, you should get a, a five-point penalty if you don't rock it. That's what I reckon. Well, it's um, and I think the boys as well. Like, obviously, I'm pretty diehard about sharpies, and and everyone knows that. I think I've done 14 nationals now over 17 years, and I'm 30 years old. So you could do the maths. I started when I was 14. Um, you know, I I think it's what saved sailing for me. You know what I mean? Like, I was a kid doing all the junior stuff, and then when things started to get a bit serious, um, you start looking at youth squads and development squads, and I wasn't anything outstanding in terms of sailing but you know i knew what i enjoyed and and then um you know it was the sharpie class that really saved it for me it was probably at the age of 14 looking to walking away from the sport and the old man put me on a um on a sharpie for the nationals at largs bay which had 79 boats and raced around on board a, a sharpie with a former champion in shane Dusen, um mm. robbie's robbie's better looking brother um <laughs> if you've met him you'd disagree with that but um, bouncer and I sailed there and then just developed a love for it. So, and, and the two guys I sailed with are no different, you know what I mean? They've had their own story that's led them to the class and, and at the sa- it's the same story that's kept them in the class. So Sean Keane's a, a great example. His old man was, um, you know, another guy that tried for, for years and years and years to win a Sharpie Nationals and never quite got there. Sean won an international cadet title as a junior, as a, as a helm. Um, and then, you know, I actually introduced him to Sharpie sailing back in when, when he was 17, he crewed for me on a, on a boat and, you know, went on from there and now we've joined back up and sailing with blackers and, you know, there's just these, these three best mates that are just frothing being on the water and that's ultimately what sailing's all about. So, and, and, and that I think was a key component in our success was just how much fun the three of us could have together on the boat and didn't matter if it was the first day or the last day or a club race or a national title. Every time we go on the water, we're telling jokes and we're having a good time and, and that didn't change the very last day of the nationals. We still went out there. Sean still told his joke of the day. We still talked about the, all the drama and the chaos from the night before and from Chugalug and, and then we go off and we win a title and it's, you know, we're so lucky about that but, but also just going back to the core of it. It's just three guys doing what they do on a Saturday. So, yeah, that's that's what I love most about it. They, um, the one thing that I'll say about it yeah. is that oh. a happy boat is a, a fast boat. For the listeners, uh, just say for the listeners, um, we're running new technology with this video stuff and it seems everything's running through a mixer for me and it looks like I've got quite a bit of delay, so I'm going to say less and less. Um, but I'll just let the listener know we'll sort that out later on. I do want to say... Good, good um, ploy, Boise. I do want to say, <laughs> I was chatting to Bill Goggins, who's CEO of Harkin, uh, this week, and he mentioned your documentary, Harry, uh, about the build of the Sharpie, and they've actually published a link to it in the, their quarterly newsletter. Um, Harkin do a newsletter, I think, every quarter or every month, something like that, and um, he mentioned that, and he's actually said, you know, they loved, that, they loved it, so I just thought I'd bring that up, because if people are looking for it, you can go to the Harkin newsletter and you'll get the link straight to it. Yeah, yeah. You can go to the uh, Sharpie website, right? Yeah, yeah. It's on the Sharpie website on the down under sale 
website and socials and a few of the other things. But I think it's probably timely to, you know, we, I know you guys pumped up the documentary when we launched it back in August and, you know, and that was just like a little side project just to help um, promote the class, but also a bit of a love job for me, um, wanting to put something like that together. And, and obviously Bill's, you know, stoked with it, but also the support we've had from, from Grantley and the team here at the Harkin Australia team, um, which ultimately for when Black has built that boat, he was a, or put that new boat on the water, he was a fourth year apprentice. And that extra support from those sponsors, Harkin, you know, in particular, um, you know, really helped, really helped get, um, you know, get the boat on the water and, you know, and fit it out and, and sailing and things like that. Musto jumped on board as well with, with all of our kit and Bolle sunglasses and a few of those things. But to like, to have that support from the industry um, when you're putting together a project that's not just about your own campaign, but also about more broadly what sailing's all about um, and, you know, celebrating all of the, the cool things that happen behind the scenes in terms of grassroots manufacturing, grassroots classes, you know, people that are doing this, doing the sailing because they love it and people that are, you know, in the industry doing it because they love it too, but also trying to make a living from that as well. Um, you know, that's what the essence of the From the Ground Up doco was. And then it's a bit of a fairy tale that it's kind of finished in the way that it has for us. But, mm. you know, I certainly don't have the time to build episode two, but um, you never know. Harkin might jump on board again, so we'll see how we go. <laughs> it's probably a good little segue of sorts there, Harry, the whole grassroots thing. And um, that was the key part of putting Down Under Sail together as well, right? Which is, which is your, where I was going to go. Your meter outlet, right? Yeah, I was going to head down that path as well, Bicey. Absolute great minds, fantastic. So, but I was going to actually start off by saying uh, your voice is actually very famous on Bar Karate. You've been a fa big supporter of Bar Karate for a long time. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the on the spot. We do it. Well, we'll get to Down Under Sail straight after this. But can you do it live for our audience? Go. Um, I can't. I don't have the song. Hold on. Um, <laughs> you have to bear with me. I don't have the song, but. It's hot time with bites. It's hot time with bites. <laughs> Beautiful. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. It is it is the kingfish himself who actually is the hot time with bites voice. On to down under sail. Sorry about that. I had to bring it up, but uh, you know, oh, so I've got a couple of subjects we can go over. No. <laughs> yeah. For radio, face for podcasts, and um, put the deep put the deep radio voice on. <laughs> Uh, down, under, down under sail is something you're passionate about. It's something that um, uh, is uh, is been uh, getting more and more uh, sort of uh, coverage, if you like. You've worked very hard at it, and you've done a lot of work with it. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I suppose um, for me uh, and Mark Ablett as well, who you, you'd be familiar with, obviously he's the general manager at KA Sail, works with AMAC doing the WASP stuff and the MAC 2s. Um, him and I started the business back in 2014 after a Sharpie Nationals in Perth just around how we wanted to, because of how we wanted to see sailing portrayed at the grassroots. And um, the core of it is ultimately it's a sailing-specific media outlet that focuses on grassroots sailing. So, you know, we love events like Sail GP and, and the America's Cup and Sydney Hobart, but, you know, that's the destination for a lot of these guys. Our focus has always been on that, that club-level grassroots stuff. And, um, 
that was sort of where it all began and, and, it, and it then sort of ventured into a printed magazine for a couple of years, which was a bit of fun but not quite viable and then also then into what it is today, which is a bit more of a, a digital media um, service company. So, you know, going to cover events and report on events and, you know, we love focusing on on do, the, the work we really love doing is always those grassroots classes, um, you know, focusing on Corinthian am, and amateur sailors and the stories that they have to share. And, you know, maybe it comes from all the years of sailing Sharpies and all the stuff we talked about before, but um, down under sail now really is, you know, it's a key focus in in for me in, in how we tell those stories um, through digital means, photo, video and, and, and the like. So, you know, it, there's times where you, you, you're out there doing you're doing the work and you, you're grinding away and, and that's kind of the key thing. But I think more broadly and, and the umbrella over that is that, you know, you want to make sure that, that that core messaging around what you're putting out there is always about, you know, promoting the sport at, at that grassroots level, which is not too dissimilar to what you guys do as well. You know, it's telling stories and, and sharing those stories with, with, the, with the wider public. So speaking of the uh, down under sale then, you've obviously built a pretty good profile now and looking after quite a few events going on. Um, what's this summer looked like? Yeah, so this summer was um, was good, a, a bit quieter than some, but um, we did do the um, – we did get over to the um, the International Cadet Australian and World Championships at Williamstown in the um, at the Royal Yacht Club of Victoria, um, our – um, another offsider of mine, Jordan Roberts, who's our um, guru when it comes to all things video and production and live streaming. He he was on the ground at that event, um, as, along with Alex Dare, who's another um, young sort of video upstart. Those two covered that event together and did an awesome job. Um, like I said, we had the um, had the Etchells here in Adelaide. Um, we've got uh, the the Blue Water Classic BP, which you're a big fan of. Obviously, the Teakle Classic over in Port Lincoln, which we'll be covering, I think, for the tenth year in a row or something this year, um, which will be good fun. Um, and then, obviously, la- back half of last year with the SA Sailing League, we do a lot of stuff with Turnbull as w- and and all the other state and national sailing leagues. Um, Dockside Festival was probably a big thing for you and I, Bice, which is not necessarily down under sail, but sort of took up a lot of our time in the water sports media arena so yeah, there's a few things on the go it's it's one of those ones where i'm probably um you, you know I'm, I'm never out there hustling as hard as i can for work i always like to work for classes that that really want us involved and open up that conversation and it's pleasing as well obviously the year before working with um, the Windsurfer Association, you know, again, really good grassroots class, you know, we're, we're in conversations with the Tazars around their worlds. Um, you know, those are the sorts of classes that really, you know, it, it really resonates with me what they're about. And that's kind of, you know, a bit about what this summer and next summer might look like. But also, you know, it's, it's, it's about making sure that you're delivering that that media, but also making sure that you don't get too. I'm always a big believer in making sure that you don't get too invested to the point where all your eggs are in that basket and you don't get to enjoy your sailing either. So I, I, I think now I've been full time on my own for about two years, and sailing probably makes up thirty to forty percent of my work. Um, so it's nice to get away from sailing to make sure that you're paying the bills to ensure that you're not so invested in the sport that you can't enjoy the social and the sailing side of it too. So that's my philosophy more broadly, but. You know, it's still obviously a big part of my life professionally. 
Mm, so how do people get hold of you to uh, talk to you about covering events? HarrietDownUnderSale.com is my email address. Um, if you go to DownUnderSale.com, my phone number and uh, email address are on the website. Um, and so is Jordo's as well. I mentioned Jordo before. So obviously Mark Ablett is a co-founder and he's pretty heavily tied up with the Wasp stuff now. Uh, he's still involved a bit, but um, but Jordo and I are sort of the guys that are doing most of the event media. So either of us will be able to make, make something happen for sure. And um, And yeah, you know, open up with an email, and we just make it make it happen. So you know, it's not we've got obviously some standard rates about what we cover and how we do it. But you know, our our big philosophy is making making life easier for volunteer committees. You know, how do we promote our events? Like, okay, well, you know, let us help you, um, and we'll customize something to make it work suiting budget, suiting um, suiting their goals as well. So. You know, I'm always don't want to ramble on too much about business, but it's always good to just sort of remind people that we want to make we want to find solutions for them necessarily, not just kind of say, here's a quote, take it or leave it. So that's always been my philosophy. Harry, um, I've got an idea, Harry. Um, re- researching this. Particular- is it, hold on, Bicey, Bicey, is it an idea to start another business together? Because I think I'm all bloody drowned out. <laughs> well, stay on the line after this, uh, Harry, because I've got a, I did mention, I, I did mention I've got a, I did you mention I've got a be- business opportunity for you, Harry, so uh, I'll speak to you after, after this as well. <laughs> you know, it'll be a great idea, specifically researching for this particular episode, and there's about 20 different regattas going on. A central place where you can find the results. Oh, oh. I reckon you guys had this conversation Mate. with the um, the flotilla guys um, from the US, mm. was it? Yeah, yep. they, correct. They, I feel like they're probably the furthest along on that idea. There's also sailing results app in um, Australia. I forget the gentleman's name that runs it. I, 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 yeah, he'll help me for forgetting Peter Merritt. I think it is. Sorry, That's it. Um, and. You know, and they're doing a lot of really good work about centralising that stuff. But, again, it takes buy-in to have it all yeah. in the one spot. And it's so hard. I was trying to find results for a particular event the other day and I was going to the, the class website and then the socials and then I had to go to a club website, but then it wasn't that club <laughs> that was running it. It was a different club that was running it. Um, oh. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe you got to get the bloody the guys from Top Yacht on the podcast and just give them a spray because they need to work out a way because they're the ones who everyone runs their results through. So maybe they should centralise it. Mm. But hey, I don't know. I'm just it's just an idea. But you're right, boss. Well, so and maybe they might go. Oh yeah, just go to Top Yacht slash results and it's all there. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's try it now, shall we? Topyacht.net.au slash results. <laughs> nah, sorry, the file you're looking for cannot be found. <laughs> hey. No, uh, what gifts, eh? I just want to say one of the things you mentioned in your discussion there, Harry, was the Etchells, um, which were at the Cruising Yacht Club of South Australia with young Mr. Nick Bice is the Commodore. Um, he leaves his oil stains all over that car park. And then, of course, Mr. Brett Perry was competing in. I think we just. His car's still there at the moment. He hasn't picked it up. <laughs> Let's talk about the Etchells. You guys take it from here. I just do the throw. Still here. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll kick things off. Um, I, as the Commodore, had the pleasure of welcoming everyone, which was basically one week ago now. Um, yeah. And there were several people within that room 
who you just look at and people that you've admired for a long, long time mm. who uh, we'll get onto in a minute. Um, and just the whole thing of a yacht club being a yacht club again after this pandemic is the first summer nationals the actuals had run in three years um gates were open boats were coming in people putting boats together you could feel the real vibe and the similar thing would be going on down at the squadron now with all the vx's coming to town but um yeah feel the vibe and a lot of well one particular team got here very early to go sailing quite early which is only because uh, we wanted to go to a winery on saturday yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> but no. um so bp and his team and the great white hunter with dunny and uh, also sandy did quite a bit of sailing before the regatta and it just as people came in and from an actual regatta point of view holy crap Unbelievable. It was possibly can, the best week of weather that we've experienced for a long, long time. Coming um, from Adelaide, coming from Adelaide, I was always, especially in the last couple of years, Bicey, you've been saying you're a bit worried about it. And, you know, there is always a concern that the weather's going to be a bit up and down. But I have to say the weather was just absolutely beautiful. The wind was uh, perfect. Um, you know, started from 10 to 14 knots in the morning and be built to 15 to sort of 17, maybe 20. A little bit more on one of the couple of days but um, the beauty of it was uh, the tides were a little bit different to what we're used to so it created a really challenging race track track out there and uh, that was something that sandy picked up on our uh, local sandy higgins started with us he picked up on the fact that it was quite a challenging racetrack so it brought to the fore some pretty big names that were you know always there but it also threw in threw into the mix some big decisions mm. Oh, yeah. So 26 boats on the racetrack, mentioned it last week. Um, and, yeah, I must say the OCB, we, we didn't bother the um, bother the podium. And I had, and I did mention this last week as well, that as Commodore, I would commit to wearing the whites and shouting the bar if we'd won a particular heat. Um, it's the whites are safe. They didn't get, had to get broken out at all. Um <laughs> But in saying that, like you, you look at the top of the fleet and like, yeah, fat chance that's going to happen, <laughs> given we had about 12 minutes prep. I reckon about 12 years prep you need in these boats to actually uh, go any no, good. Um, no question. No question at all. Well, not all. any good because the difference between 8th and 18th is 30 seconds, basically, Yep. on the racetrack. Um, so super close, but bloody good, bloody good. I think you, Jordan mention at some point you blokes have been pretty quiet down there have you been absorbed by the actuals mafia <laughs> <laughs> i did send i did send a little note out because none of you idiots were answering me i was trying to ring you all week and i was getting no reply and i thought the war's broken out the mold 11 fight the concertina boats this boat that boat you know like i'm intrigued how it all went um but yeah i None of you pricks replied at all, so you know I didn't take it personally. Though I've found new friends. Oh, this is this is uh, I don't know about you guys. Uh, having heard all of your discussion and dialogue around the Etchells for the better part of the last year or two, um, you know, and hearing John Bertrand speak at the presentation around where the class is at um, is. You know, this is a real line in the sand moment, I think, now for the Etchells globally. Right. There is obviously right. the the, um, the ability to race. The, the There's there's the solution, the cut twice and stick the eight together program. There's 
the option to then race those boats in the worlds in Perth, and then there's obviously a vote. I believe you might need to correct me if I'm wrong. That then needs to That's happen right. to race That's globally from there. So it's about this is a real, I think, critical line in the sand moment for the class to survive in Australia. I think um, long term, and and I think visually, what we saw in Adelaide was that that is on track, and that the racing was great. Some fantastic sort of. Um, you know, sentiments being said around the bar and stuff after racing was that this is this is the way forward. Let's get on with it and move on. Yeah, I think that's a big point. But while we were here, we might as well just quickly do the results and we can explain that in, in with with the M11s in mind. So basically, the lead into this regatta was really focused on how the M11s were going to going to compete, considering that all the M11s that were here had to be effectively cut and shut in two places and uh, more rocker put in. Um, but if you look at the results, uh, John Bertrand won the regatta now just there alone is a massive achievement Bicey, you want to add something there i mean well there's not many more icons in the world of yachting with the name known also outside of yachting than john bertram so to mm. have him win with a bunch of young guys who've jumped on board or extremely good sailors as well yep. is um quite phenomenal at 76 years of age mind you 76 um and Gary, let's say Gary Barso, old still... are, are all hope. <laughs> Absolutely. And I can, so and I can say you, that now. You, you should go all right soon, Jordan. Um <laughs> but <laughs> no, so exceptionally well, very consistent from off the water. Um he sailed his boat a lot flatter than everyone else. Yeah. Um mm. and there's a few different things there that he had going on. The rig settings were com not completely different, but a little bit different to some of the other boats. And it's amazing how tweaky these boats are, but he clearly knows how to make the boats go well. Um, and it's not about making the boats go fast. It's just making sure you don't go slow if that yeah, that's is a you just get, you get swallowed up, correct. So so John Bertrand won the regatta um, with a race to spare. He decided that he was going to go in and get first to the crane, which was a good, op good option for him. Um, and that's how that panned out. And obviously... Uh, Billy Merrington from New South Wales got in for second, so he was he was um, back looking for back-to-back -back Australian titles, obviously. So M11 first, then we had a heritage boat of uh, of Billy uh, second, and then Chris Hampton from Victoria in a uh, in a in I believe is an Ontario um, mm. boat or heritage, either or that doesn't matter. Not an M11 um, comes in at third. Um, so you know it it was definitely a competitive. Uh, competitive playing ground, if you like, if you know what across, I mean. Across, yeah, across the boats. Yep. So, let's just go. Job done, tick. <laughs> Waiting for you, Jordan. <laughs> oh, I just fine. Job done, tick. Let's go. I mean, I don't see it all finishing. Obviously, let's hope it works out because. Uh, you know, one thing you I think you mentioned, Bice or Harry. One of you said like the perfect week for weather and it was you know the footage um the footage that was available uh was just showing how wonderful it was so um you know uh it's great for sailing good tweaky boats tactical sailing we the actuals deserve to survive we love them as a boat and uh, yeah it's all good i love it um i think but it's one of those things as well jordan i think like you mentioned just, just quickly i think you mentioned that like um, oh, job done, tick. We can have a bit of a laugh at that, but it but it needs it needs to be job done, tick now. Correct, correct, hundred percent, 
and and you know we can we can argue as much as we like about what could or should have happened in that process but at the end of the day this is now um whether it's the right solution wrong solution imperfect perfect solution it's a solution and it's what's going to help move the class back to where it it was and that's when we'll start seeing 60 70 boat fleets at etchell nationals again and start moving towards what jb was saying was you know this is the best class for one design racing in the world and that's his opinion that's probably the opinion of a lot of people but it's vital that that maintains i would imagine so yeah, it, it can't yeah it can't it can't continue with this level of controversy and also um one thing i want to add there is there's there was a meeting an owners meeting in adelaide um and the word is that uh, there are people that were obviously vying to make sure M11s were considered uh, illegal and that needed to go through the process of some form of adjudication. Uh, that word is that uh, there is going to be uh, correspondence between them to the international fleet that uh, they really saw no difference on the water. It came down to sailing ability and who was on the boats. Um, and that's a good thing. It's a good thing that's coming from an outside source and not coming from an M11 trying to justify uh, you know, the existence of them. So I think we have seen a, a bit of a breakthrough moment, but as you said, Harry, for the class to con continue, this whole thing's just got to go away. So maybe you guys need to stop bloody talking about it then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Right. Lesson learned. Yeah. Right. Uh, we get emails, Very Harry. Good. No, keep going. We, we get emails. We get so much information. Um, all right, we might move that on. I think we're going to run out of time here, Harry, so we might uh, we might call it quits here um, and then um, we'll come back with a bit more. Yep. So uh, thanks for joining us, mate. We're super stoked to see you and have a chat and, uh, you know, welcome back on the show anytime, bud, because, you know, you're, you're part of the team. So, uh, yeah, awesome work. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure to be with you. And, um, yeah, if you can't find me, I'll probably be telling my story somewhere else. <laughs> sitting, <laughs> sitting at another another group in another bar. <laughs> good on you, mate. No, good on you, Harry. On the way to the Royal now to do the exact same thing, I might tell them exactly what happened. <laughs> Beautiful. Good on you, mate. Right. Well done. See you, well Harry. Again. Bye. Always feels good with a fourth leg, doesn't it? <laughs> like uh, especially one, especially one that's usually invisible. Mm. No, congratulations to Harry Blackers and Keeney. They in the nationals there. They bloody nailed it. And knowing uh, Harry well, quite intimately over the last twelve months, specifically with setting up the Dockside Festival and all, mm. um, and also knowing the amount of work that him and his buddies put into the Sharpie. It's a well-earned win. Not to mention Harry had a baby in uh, yep. October. Yeah. There <laughs> you go. So, yeah, welcome to the real world. Time for the big boy pants. Big Let's go. Pants. <laughs> mm. But um, in saying that, someone who has their big boy pants is Harry, what he does with the media and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's see, eh? Who knows where this... His vision, the whole grassroots thing, and we've been busting our ass about it for the last three or four years that it's all about grassroots and um, someone else who sings from the same hymn sheet, as they say. Mm. Yeah, very cool. Absolutely. All right. Um, should we go on to other news? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. 
It's too much. We're, we're getting too many emails. This is too uh, much. Might have, to bring, so might have to bring. Might have to bring a fourth person in. Um, <laughs> might speed through a few things. And apologies for the listeners that put so much effort in. Um, we got some great footage of from the twenty nine nationals. Um, the the shark footage, which we put up on the Instagram page. Massive email um, from Matt Butterworth. Uh, Matt is obviously. Uh, we've dealt with quite a bit in the past, and he's done. He's been behind trying to grow that whole squad and group, and he sent us his huge email just talking about ideas and stuff. Um, we might have to bring it back up, Matt. Um, probably yeah. not enough time for it now because there's quite a few different topics he's raised, but uh, it is very detailed. I just want to acknowledge that. Um, there's also uh, Jonathan Bailey sent us some good Mildred's 15 footage um, and speaking specifically of regattas that are coming up, there is the – Russell Morris sent us the note about the Lanceland Wind Fest. So I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys had a look at that, but the uh, Lanceland Wind Fest, which is 18 to mm. 21 January, um, so it's basically starting in a few days and – Celebration of windsurfing, uh, winging. Word has it is going to be eighteen to twenty-one knots yeah. the whole time. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, so if you're up on Lanceland, there you can get involved in that. Obviously, it will be nice and windy. Um, oh, jeez. Uh, I do want. I might bring the sixteen discussion in here did you have that on your list bossy of things yeah i've got it on my list i'll leave it out so we'll, yeah. we'll come back um jack lloyd listener of the week there's so much here um jack lloyd listener of the week nick madison sent an image of barkerati people wandering around in barkerati in new zealand which uh, how did the package get there yeah. <laughs> no, the other one the people pay well, for. Bro. Like I said, it may or may not arrive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but that's what we're saying. We only got one package. How did it get there? <laughs> um, no, that must be from legitimate purchases. Oh, of course. Yeah. Those yeah. things. Those things, yes. Um, Ted Hubner uh, sent us some image of uh, people in bar fights with Newport Police Force, um, which we all know well. So uh, obviously they're just getting warmed up for the ocean race, turning back up in town again in a few months. <laughs> just chalking up the elbows, all those yeah. sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. Padding, out, of padding out the cells. Yes. Getting a bit of, yeah. of pre race training in. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Um, anyway, so yeah, it's not just the ocean races that seem to get in trouble with that police force, but uh, yeah, sent that one through. Josh Torpy. Uh, a rum and silo is a mutton bird. That's what it's called, courtesy of Knocker. Um, oh. Well, we, we like uh, what we came up with. So um, Yeah, but did he add the line? Oh, that's right. We'll have to talk to Knocker. He's How busy. much ice was in it? Yeah, yeah that's right. Is a mutton bird in Antarctica? <laughs> <laughs> it's the subtleties that make the difference. That's right. Um, <laughs> so the gun runner, we, we're sticking with the gun runner and we're getting heaps of photos of people drinking that. So good on you uh, to everyone. <laughs> the other thing that we got is a couple of names oh, for this, autopilots. This, this has been going bananas, hasn't it? This yeah, is great. Um, uh, Peter Skew sent an email. Um, Very funny. Have you got one of you guys got in front? I'll just have to. Oh, here oh, I haven't got it in front of me, but I, the, how no, about um, from memory? Yeah, from memory. We'll do it from memory because that's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doris. Yeah, he wanted he wanted to name the autopilot on Team Melitza Doris after your chat with Rosalind last week. My first thought was to call it Doris. There's a nice symmetry there when Boris isn't on the helm, Doris takes over. 
However, the possibility of misunderstanding when uh, the auto helm sends the Amoka into a massive wipeout and someone screams, F you, Doris, uh, amid all the other noises on board, could lead to some awkward moments with Boris, um, which I thought, uh, he then he says a more sensible name is Cheryl, so when the auto helm stuffs up, they all know that Cheryl went feral, um, which is a, an old Jim Haynes song. Um, but the other one was uh, Lawson Shaw, and I think this one may actually have been put on the boat already. Um, he was pretty happy with the episode. There is only one name for an autopilot. It's called. It should be called Brittany, as in Brittany Steers, um, which, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was quite good. Um, yes. And then we had a good breakdown of his J24 regatta. But, uh, yeah, that's that's where we are with naming on the autopilots. Um, Wonderful. Any Brittany winners Steers, like, that? Well, any winners Steers out of beauty. that lot? Brittany Steers is a beauty, oh. but, you know, they're all good. They're all good. Yeah, yeah. Um, just keep them coming in because it creates a laugh. It does create a laugh. <laughs> now, Bice, I've got one more, but I'll introduce it in after this. Ole, 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 ole. Hot, hot, hot. It's hot time with Bice. Carol, one Harrison Fisher, he's still here. Is he he's still, still here? On the line. Say, Harry, you can hang up now. Yeah, just will you go away? Uh, <laughs> we have uh, one more listener opportunity, Christoph Zeiser, and he wrote in. Oh, uh, Zeisy. Zeisy, yeah. yeah, the Zeiser, the Christo. Zeismeister. If you're searching for a new name for Hot Time with Bice, what about calling it Roll the Bice? Oh, we could think of a segment that suits that particular kind of what um, that purveys. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Time yeah. to roll the bice. Roll the All bice. right. Yeah, well. <laughs> I guess uh, if we're recording Lincoln again, that's probably it. That's <laughs> not hard, it's not hard to do. <laughs> By the way, boss, just before you start, how good your little niece just done? Oh yeah, no, I've got it on the list. Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, I'll I'll stop All right. stepping on you. Hot time now. Before I start, and on a serious note, um, throughout the week, a good friend, or who became a good friend yep. and a, a well-known name in New Zealand, Grant Calder of Marlon Calder, who had organised many stopovers in Auckland and Melbourne and Hong Kong, unfortunately, has departed us, has left us at 41 years of age. Jeez, that's young. Um, word has it, it was a heart attack. Mm. It's uh, just oh, devastating, really. Um, yep, absolutely. And so love goes out to his family, his friends, his business partner, Tom Oh, feel, feel like we've and just we've there's, just, we've there's just, a um, <laughs> keep going, boss. We lost you for a sec, mate. So just, 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 just said Tom, which is Tom May. Start from his start from his business partner. Yeah, yeah Tom May, and, and we'll just continue on. Yeah, and his wife and two kids. Um, Grant, I'll just finish off for you there, just for a sec while I'm talking. He was a sort of bloke. When you bumped into him, you just know you're about to have a laugh, you know. Like, he just loved having a good time. He was a great guy. Um, so continue on, bud. Sorry. Yeah, so um, I, I actually remember at one of the um, Volvo Ocean Race conferences we had, and everyone had to introduce themselves by pre-making a video. And at the time, there was this video going around of um, Jean-Claude Van Damme doing us the splits between <laughs> two two trucks reversing Volvos, yeah. Volvos yeah. Um, and it had this song running behind it. Um, and anyway, he replicated 
this particular scene, and uh, which in Sna- itself looks pretty in ridiculous. <laughs> um, how but then you, saw, how but then you saw the behind the scenes stuff, and uh. oh, bloody hell, it was funny. <laughs> so it's like the blooper reel it ended up being, but um, uh-huh. yeah, what a cracking guy, mm. right. Um, moving on. All right. As uh, mentioned, Jordan, yes, uh, niece of myself, daughter of Sister Rachel, who still doesn't, hadn't forgiven you, Jordan, <laughs> and, <laughs> and of course, daughter of uh, James Patterson. Oh, sorry, I haven't told you what I'm doing here. There's so much going on. So I'm just basically... Uh, in yachting at the moment with all the national titles. So I'm going to run through most of the stuff that came across my desk and just give one key point. So my key point here for the Opties was, uh, yeah, well done, Cleo. Uh, eighth in intermediate, first female, um, first regatta, basically. So bravo. And just to mention, 200-odd boats. Whew. That's a like ben, in fantastic the, You know, across the, of course, across the open fleet, which then got split between gold and silver. Then you had the intermediates and then you had the greenies. Yep. So, um, bloody hell, it's yep, a yeah. lot of boats. That's Finally, a, boats. a talented sailor in the family. Correct. <laughs> um, all right. No particular order, 16s. Are you, are you just trying to bury yourself in the, with Rach? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, Rach. Sorry. In no particular order, moving into the 16s, taken yep. out by Nathan Wilmot. Again, didn't he win Again, last year? Again, he won last year, he did. Yeah. Um, and I did notice uh, your mate Quirky sailing. Uh, Michael Quirk is is Nathan Quirk's brother. Different different Quirk. Ah, uh, sorry, different Quirk. Well, fancy that Quirks get a bit of a mention a couple of weeks in a row. Yes. Well, so. I did. I don't know if you guys watched this, but I'm all over this. So forty eight boats, forty eight boats. It was fantastic and uh, live streaming. So what had happened going with this uh, with the six scenes? So Typhoon was leading a. Until a few days before the finish, and then the notes did by Dave O'Connor. I think I, I don't have the crew names in front of me, but so I think Dave's an old twenty nine world champ from from memory, and um, they just had a run of wins uh, on the notes and sort of just started jumping up their score uh, and wins seconds fifth, and so they were actually in the lead, and then so going into the last race, Typhoon. Nathan Wilmot and Pagey was on there. They had to beat the Noakes by three places, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell you, the the Noakes was smoking. Like they, they were doing the full cover, like a Typhoon was doing the full cover on them. They sailed out from underneath it and then just took off, got around the first top mark in second, just flew downwind, um, just smoking along, five-lap race, there was no way, like, uh, Typhoon were deep, about 10th or a 12th or something yeah. like that. And then um, coming off the uh, the bottom mark for the last time, about to head up to the on the last work, something's gone wrong on the Noakes' rudder. And oh, no. they had to put it in the drink and they were dicking around for at least uh, a good 30 minutes. Completely oh. cost them the Nationals because they oh. had it in it was out of- Bag. It, it was at Manly, wasn't it? It was at Manly, yeah. They could have touched. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, no, well, I'd, I'd see that that was that straggling sunfish from the Hobart. Yeah, <laughs> just hanging out still. Yeah, yeah but so the results. Hadn't quite synced his diaries. <laughs> the results don't quite tell the story. Uh, it was great watching. Yeah, There's a lot sure. of good sailors. The Emmy with Davey Gilmore, who we've had on the show, Danny Turner on the moon, and they were sailing fantastic. Consistency paid in the end, um, but the 
the the Noakes was the fast boat it, in the right conditions, and it had the right conditions for about five races. Mm-hmm. Um, so unfortunate, anyway, um, unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, it it was a pretty exciting last race. Um, like I, I thought it was all done and dusted, but then bang, like they're in the water, and oh, and the typhoon capsized. Um, to, they were fighting out early on in the race. They were fighting out, and then the typhoons put in the drink coming in the bottom mark, and thought, "Oh, it's all over." And then, yeah, and they came back. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's my input for the six scenes. Good watching. You can go and find it on the on the YouTube. The YouTube. <laughs> I like it. Thanks, Mum. <laughs> Just like on Bookface, <laughs> and on the interweb. I'll ring you on the Skype. <laughs> Right, um, contenders, nationals mm, yes. are being done. They're about to launch into the mm. worlds. Um, yeah. And I believe yep. she is going to be cranking yep. uh, for the first star of the world. So they've moved everything, I think, at least till the uh, to like 10 a.m. starts or something just to make sure that they – you know, can avoid the maximum output of the Fremantle doctor. The doctor's not yeah. not in full swing, you reckon? So he's just warming up. He's just warming up. Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to just wallop him. Our mate Mark Bulker looking good going in. He won the nationals. Um, yeah, he's had plenty of regattas uh, in, in in the last few weeks. So uh, he's um, he could be the man. He could be the man. So including a taser with his son. Is that am yeah, I yeah, right? Yeah, in saying really yeah. yeah, Maddie Mulder, obviously. I think Maddie is right there as well. Past he came champion. second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's um, Simon Barwood. Just a lot of Aussies. Um, there are a few people from overseas. We'll see how it all plays out. But as you said, it's going to be windy. Yeah, be yeah. fun. Now, yeah. something just up the road for me with Aeros um, out of Largs Bay Sailing Club, um, which ran straight after the Herons, I believe. I don't have much in the way of the Herons' results, but in the Aeros, uh, had a couple of national champions there. Um, well, in the fives, and then um, an old sparring partner, Mark Conry, was second in the sevens. So, oh. um, so good going there, and that's uh, basically at time of recording. That was the last day of stuff going on down there. But she's been a busy summer. Yeah, yeah. This end of the, the coast. VXs, the VXs start as well, don't they? Well, the VXs, yes, the VXs are starting tomorrow um, out of the Royal SA Yacht Squadron, of which, well, you've probably got a bit of a handle on some of the more the, the Queensland contingent there, Jordan, yeah. with um, Brett and the guys. But uh, you know, our local state hero Dave A is probably you know going to be getting plenty of support. Well, and to mention the rest of the. SA fleet as well, and worth a mention, after 17 years, Grant Geddes is making a comeback into oh, sailing. Is he? Wow. Is Grant Geddes being the um, ex-World I-14 champion and three-time uh, National Sharpie champion. Yeah, and, and, and the VX. The VXs are dragging them back in. Yeah, well, yeah. well don't, don't get him on the drink because you know what's going to happen. <laughs> Glass and a half. Glass and a half. <laughs> Inside joke. <laughs> yeah, nickname being Cadbury. Yeah. Um, hey, look- uh, had a chat to uh, young Silas Nolan during the week at the Etchells. He was sailing uh, at the Etchells and he said he was preparing for the week. His training was the Etchells, he said, but he's going to potentially have problems with his ley lines. Mm. Uh, being, mm. being slightly different, but yeah, yeah. a little bit different. <laughs> up, up, we're not so much. Well, yeah, enough 
to be noticeable, but downwind, <laughs> she's different, my friend. Yeah, yeah. She's, you know, jibe angles through through one eighty. <laughs> yeah, I'll be good. It'll be good going. Um, the Queensland boats will be favourite, obviously. Um, Mac mm. one's probably the favourite going in. Uh, yeah, you'd think so, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they the hike really year. hard, and in choppy water, that's going to come to them. So, um, you know, those guys throw their fitness at it, and um, that'll definitely it'll definitely let's suit hope, them. Let's hope it turns it on like it did last week for us for the etchers. Yeah. All right. Now I'm just going to head across the border down into Mexico land, into uh, Sale, Melbourne. Oh, yep. Of which is, you look at the list of the competitors, you look at, you know, what uh, class, basically it's the Olympic classes, right? Mm-hmm. And you can see some um, some notable names at the top of the fleet. For example, Wernie, who's currently second in the Lays, or the Ilka, sorry. And um, something worth mentioning is um, Angus Higgins mm. and his Hell's Sophie currently sitting in second in the 470. And trying? Angus coming straight out the back of the Sharpie Nationals. <laughs> and let me tell you, a Sharpie's Nationals is not where you go to sharpen up your 470 sailing. No, you're <laughs> steering too. So, well, yeah. he's going to be regatta. He's going to be regatta. regatta fit. That's it. Yeah. He's yeah. been doing yeah. heaps. Yeah. 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 Bloody oath. So, um, Nothing. Oh, that we're still only into you know one, two, three, four races, depending on the class. So we'll have more on that um, coming up with quite a few notable Barkeradians having uh, will be taking place, uh, taking part in Sale Melbourne. So that's more mm. results to come on that one. A um, couple more things: the Transatlantic Maserati sailing team. The try finished five days, five hours, something which is a new race record. Beautiful. Now that's quite a little jaunt. Yeah, it's the Atlantic, isn't it? Yes, a little bit of a like skip it. and a hop for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And um, at time of recording, we don't have a mono hull winner yet. But by the time you listen, just go check it out yourself. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, we're going to do a good few minutes on the ocean race. So don't, uh, if you're getting bored with this stuff, <laughs> just. So, GP, um, worth a mention. Uh, light light you, conditions. Open, yep. Light conditions. Pretty light in Singapore. Singapore. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you got there, Jordan? Uh, the- well, I can pull it all up, but um, uh, I believe, uh, well, it's it's happened. We haven't been watching. Um, so, uh, well, there's a confidential note against something here. I better not say what that is. Um, oh, that's right. I, I think listen. the final results, New Zealand over Denmark and then Australia. So that's what I understand. New Zealand. Um, still fairly light winds. I'm just checking shortened courses. Yeah, light winds. Yeah, like, not much falling going on. Mm, so tough day on the water. And next, next regatta being Sydney. Sydney yep. on what's that? Feb twenty third or something? Uh, Mid Feb. Yep. Yeah. It'll be yeah. that one. Will be a ton of fun. So if you yes. if you are, yeah. if you can, the, the one the good thing about Sydney, uh, and I'll say this is the I think it's on Shark Island. If you want spectator, because. Um, it's the hardest one for them to set up to put in front of all the VIPs, so they, they get a lot of boats out. But on Shark Island, you can be right in the middle of it, and Jody Shields is normally doing the commentary on the island, and I think your entry includes alcohol or something. Like, it's a pretty fun day. Imagine on- that. What are you, What's my money going towards? Oh, <laughs> alcohol and listening to Jody Shields. Oh, God. <laughs> no, no. You need you need the first, yeah. Was, awesome. would, but if you if you can't if you're not one the super elite luxury, just jokes, Jody. Just yeah, jokes. Go and hang out with Jody and have a ball. Um, oh, for sure, it'll be a ton of fun. So yeah, yep. anyway, awesome. And um, now 
that's all I have in that regard, boys, with what's going on. Um, unless any of you have just, any little updates. Obviously, the Etchells were there, but we did, as spoken about with Harry. Mm. I just um, say Huntress is off the beach. She got skull yes. off and she's floating. Um, so that is good news. Good news for yep. everybody news involved. For where that could have ended up having yep. read a few articles. Woo. Yeah. Yep. Dear idea. Mm. Um, Ocean Race, start. Oh. Now, my yep. key point here. Right. The weather. Yeah. The weather is unbelievable. Oh, Picture actually, this. before we do that, guys, there is one thing we have to mention. Um, we, the fins. So up in oh, RQ, yes. we had the fins. Uh, we've got the um, um, OKs coming and then the, the 505s. Um, congrats to Robbie McMillan with the win, and uh, then Cam Tweedle on sailing Doris. Uh, so he's obviously got an auto helm on that. Um, <laughs> and Mark Perot for the top three. Now, what happened, uh, boys, in the last race, Matty Visser, uh, who's a well-known Finn sailor in Australia and, you know, a law part of the thing, he, I think he hit the mark uh, and went to do penalty terms and got fully crunked on the head with the boom. And... Mm to the extent that he was out cold in the water face down. Ah, uh, yes, yes. And um, so boats capsized, he's in the water face down. What they have up at RQ is they've got this – there's a couple of guys do what's called RQ TV where they film all these events and do it. They do a great job. Just two blokes volunteering and spending their time out there. And they were filming that mark rounding. And um, you can actually see the footage if you go looking for it uh, – and they quite quickly zoomed in. They zoomed in and they worked out that he was face down and not moving. Mm. So they came in, grabbed Matty and put him on the boat and he had no pulse. Um, they resuscitated him, uh, got him to emergency services, got him into intensive care and he is fine. He's alive. Um, yes. But Jesus. Um, yeah, that's scary stuff. Scary stuff. Wow. Scary it's amazing, stuff. amazing to think what would have happened if those guys weren't on hand. Eh? Exactly, BP. Exactly. So there was a bit of a call going back towards uh, looking at safety and helmets and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, mm. you know, it's mm. a, it's a pretty big thing, and uh, thank uh, thank God for the guys being there. Well, the fins are fairly big rig, and that boom is right down low. You know, like if yeah, it, yeah. it it uh, just and to get hit by the boom in a job. Oh, gee. That would yeah, be. especially when you're a little bit sort of wobbly D- coming in there. Despite the seriousness of this discussion, mm-hmm. yeah, you'd be no good in the fin, Jordan. Yeah, too tall. No. You'd never get that no. noggin under the no. <laughs> <laughs> Too much yeah, of a have. target for the boom yeah. too. Yeah, that's right. And, 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 and you'd be absolutely buggered trying to bring helmets in. Yeah, well, trying to find a helmet for trying one. Trying to find a helmet for you. You'd have to, you'd have to sort of make one up. Make one out of big cartons. I feel like we've exaggerated right, yeah. the size of my head. Right, uh, Ocean Race, the uh, weather. Ocean Race. <laughs> like the size of the Wesley coming in is about the size of your head. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> on Willy, on, on so, what do you call it? On, on windy weather, it's the same colour hair. <laughs> 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 it's red. Mate, put it this way. It is cranking Wesleys. And what way do they have to go once they leave Alicante? A little bit south of west. But that last little stint into Gibraltar, Gibraltar, Gibraltar. <laughs> straight on the straight on the schnodder, straight on the schnodder, and with a and with a massive rolling um, sea that's been building for a long time. It's oh. horrible. Yeah. It is. Oh my so, god. The, the other it thing is, is um, once you get out, though, like 
there's a really nice weather system that punches you south. So um, it's all about getting out as hard as and quick as you can. But, geez, oh, it's going to be – you wouldn't want to be in an Amoka going straight into that. Oh, no. Uh, I shudder to think mm. having – kind of having glimpses back to the – Maybe 11, yeah. 12 race or whatever yeah, it was. Yep, yep. With, um, Abu Dhabi, wasn't it? Abu Dhabi dropped its pipe and yeah. uh, same sort Team of system, Sanya almost sunk. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I remember <laughs> just going to that. I was heading down, got the phone call that Sunday morning from Moose. And as I'm heading down there, yeah, you're going to need more than a tree with six flex to fix this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, well, one boat that made its way to Cape Town on a ship. Um, Abu Dhabi got the spare rig in, and they went again, but then got stuck in in very very light winds mm. in the mid. So, well, but it does bring back memories. You you could wait till Wednesday, Abo. Like that, uh, you could genuinely. Well, I was going to say. I was going to say. Would the, would it be in in interest to to postpone in a couple of days because. Uh, that is not only uh, that is not only a big system. That's that's uh, boat breaking conditions. Oh, right I don't think they will. Yeah. yeah, it'll be horrendous boat breaking conditions. And as we said, you know, it's right on the nose. So the sixty fives will go out, but it's they're going to get smashed like there's big seas, uh, and it really accelerates through the heads there. Let's. I like calling it the heads. I don't know if anyone else <laughs> the heads. <laughs> yeah, on one side it's the monkey on the head, and on the <laughs> other side, yeah, yeah. Um, it's an elephant. Yeah. But yeah, so and you know, with the tacking angles of the Amokas, uh, oh, they've they've worked out they're sailing better than they used to, but they've worked out how to go upwind a little bit better. But they're tacking out the Amokas, they could just be reaching backwards and reaching forward. backwards and forwards, <laughs> not getting with anywhere the, with the wind with the windsurfers at Cardiz. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what are those guys doing? Hanging out. <laughs> I'm interested. Um, for if we focus in on the teams, just let's just talk the Amokas. So with the for the race. The 65s are doing the leg um, down to the Canaries and then they go back because basically they haven't been out. None of them have replaced their masks, so they won't get insurance for doing around the world. So with the Amokas, I'm interested, one, who you guys think is going to be in the best boat and best performed boat and who will go best because I actually have a little bit of a thought on this and I'm just interested what you guys think, What not... For the whole race, but also just initially for this this first leg. Oh, tell. Okay, we'll, we'll follow yeah, you. Yeah, go. Let us know, okay. and I'll let you know what we think. Well, we'll so there's a lot of different ship. boats, right? So you've got, you know, there's five boats. Um, some are brand new. Most of them are, are pretty recent. I think is it Goyot, the old, the old. Um, it's the old, uh, uh, the black one. Um, Alex Thompson's boat. Oh, oh, sorry. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's your, Hugo Boss. Hugo, it's the old Hugo Boss from a couple of editions ago. I think it's gone around the world twice already. But the the one I'm interested with this upwind stuff, remember 11th hour? It's like a few years old now. That was designed for the race when the race was going to have a bit of upwind stuff in it, wasn't it? Remember that? There was discussion, yeah. Yeah. No, well, that, so I, they actually built that – they designed that boat specifically for this race and with the thought of it would be going up rather than just zooming across the Southern Ocean. So it's got a flatter rocker, that boat. Um, it may handle the upwind a little bit better, but mm. who knows? I'm, just, but, look, I'm still looking at this and thinking there's going to be a lot of nursing going on. Well, with the, the mass, you know, like... Um, yeah. It's you know, a marathon, not a sprint. 
Yeah, yeah. and this one, is the, this one is the good first friend part used of to it. tell me about the ocean race. We weren't talking about the sailing. We were talking about a few other things that go along with it. But um, <laughs> yeah, you and Coxie just need to settle down. <laughs> but um, no, I, I concur. Um, despite what you've just said there, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, the race course wasn't completely set back then. Um, but there was potential to have a bit of upwind, and it was of a major concern for a lot of the Yomaka boats. Mm. There, it doesn't look like that at all. But regardless, if you're on a 65 and I'm Mocker, the bloody Scorpius or, or Leopard of London, uh, Navy to ship. be departing Alicante in literally a couple of hours, by yeah. the time people listen to this, they would have gone. Um, it's, it's, she's going to be a big night. They could all just go anchor up in the lee of that little Tabaka, yeah, the yeah. island BP. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah, yeah. So definitely yeah. a potential play. Um, yeah, just ride yeah. it out. Not I was in that one, wouldn't yeah. you? Like, imagine if it was our boat, right? So we're doing it. We're in an Imoka. We've got you, the three of us, and um, uh, an onboard reporter, and I don't know who the the. The female sailor would be, but it would we have could, to be Rosalind. Oh, she's taken. But you know, a no, random. But no, we anyway, we'd get her. Yeah. Are we yeah. in our team meeting right now, which is going on right now? Are we sitting there going, boy? Should we just get a few cases of beer and get a barbie, <laughs> and we'll we'll sail it around the corner. We'll anchor it up. We'll sit there for a couple of days. We'll get the wingdings out and just enjoy the time, and then we'll pull up stumps and go when we're ready, you know, and just, you know. Well, I think Bicey had the right idea, the, the, the island to Burka just off Alicante. It's got some fantastic restaurants. You can sit <laughs> in the lee of that. Mm. We could just hang out there. Do the start, get all the, you know, get all the, get the fever vibe. Out of the get, the, get the vibe. Yeah, get the vibe going. And um, let's not forget uh, Volvo's 70 days when the when the boats did pull in to port on their way up to China. Mm-hmm. Literally, several boats saved the rest of their race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so well, it, here's se- a seamanship question. comes into it. Okay, here's a question for you: the is mm. these teams are pretty much about uh, the Vendée, right? So this the Mocha class is around the Vendée. You know, that's the next big event after this. Some of these teams are they just doing it to get, as warm up training? And if something goes wrong, say, say they get to the Southern Ocean and Bicey, you get a visitor, you know, because something's gone wrong and they're, they're pulling to Adelaide. Are those boats going to continue has to get the, or are they going to go the... on a ship? Oh, definitely going on a ship. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. You'll be lucky if two boats finish this bloody race. I'll oh. tell you. No. Don't say that. We got a we got a we got a special no. guest coming up. We got a big no, 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 no. I'm only joking. Um. It's to tell you the truth, right now, the rest of the race doesn't matter. Literally, these next couple of days, mm, uh, I agree exactly with you on that one. What ha- what matters? I agree with um, you on that one. I think you'll, so, find, you'll find a lot of people will probably end down, down on the African coast waiting for a little bit of a, a punch out. Mm. So they'll go get across down there and uh, have a look and wait and see because that's going to be honking across through there, through Gibraltar and through that area, Marbella, etc. And for those who aren't sort of iMocker experts, you know, the mast is a one design element um, and it's probably the weak point on an iMocker. So, you know, big seas, a lot of wind, big foils. Um, oh, upwind, let's not mention, upwind, let's mention that. Yep. 
the slamming, the those masts, um, no disrespect well, to the manufacturer, are under massive risk. Um, which is kind of not bad in itself because you do need a weaker slink, right? And because the next thing is the human link. Mm. is mm. the hu- human side of things. Mm. And as having spoken on a lot of the Omoka, well, people who've sailed boats in this configuration, especially with the falls, like it is seriously, they humans are the limit, mm. right? Mm. So that that's going to come into it. Mm. Um, and to finish first, first you must finish. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Very, very wise words. Yeah. Well, it's. I'm, I'm in your corner, Jordan. I'm, I'm pulling up. I'm dropping anchor at Taburka and spending a couple of days there. Oh, it's not. I don't think it's a dumb thing to do. I honestly don't. I think you, you're at huge risk of losing your rig. Um, but you could damage then, a foil pretty easily. Um, then, then you just got to add a couple of other elements to that. A bit of gun smoke, fever, some helicopters, some TVs, and a bunch and a bunch of spectators. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably going to head down to. Um, our Mira or Cartagena, myself. Mm. Cartagena would be fine, yep. Yeah, yep. just to kind and then just poke Get the no- nose out about Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> well, Cartagena, Cartagena is a nice place. Very, very nice. <laughs> you too. Uh, how Spanish. Time year, this time of year, this time yeah. of year, it's, it's, you're, yeah. it's warming up. It's starting, you know, it's not freezing down there. It's not too bad. I was just thinking, I won't say names. I mean, Marbella. It's beautiful Marbella, resort down Marbella, there. Marbella, 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 sorry. Do you guys Marbella, remember, Marbella, yeah. I think it was the last start from Alicante. Do you remember the, uh, I won't say the name of the, the skipper, um, that took them up, uh, took a, an overlap boat up into the Spectator fleet? Remember that luff up through the, the whole oh. Spectator fleet? Oh, between yeah, yeah, um, yeah, D yeah. and Witty. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not bagging D. Um uh, anyway, um, yeah, but that uh, I was just thinking if uh, uh, I was going to say I was going to be anonymous, but at least sort of uh, we probably won't see that again. Um, but maybe we will. Who knows? But it, it it'll be funny. Uh, it's not that windy during the start. The scheduled starts no. on, and and once you get out through the straits. Uh, Oh, well, then you yeah, start hitting look at that midnight tonight, midday tomorrow. Yeah, no, so I'm just. Oh, there's gandering. a few little transitions yeah. midday to tomorrow, yeah. and then once they get kind of in that big wider chunk heading into Gibraltar. Yeah, yeah. Once Jeez, you get out, game and on. Start pointing to the Canaries. It's it's going to be unreal. Like the yeah. boat will be yeah. motoring. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, um, the question I have for you guys going in: Who is going to win the ocean race? Um. Um. Uh, Kevin Escoffier. Mm. Mm. Team Wholesome PRB. If they can, they can get that boat. Once the hammers down on that boat, it would. Oh, it's going to blow everything out of the water. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've got to be able to keep the boat under them. To be able to put the hammer down, no, at some I think, point I think on. that's the big question. Otherwise, it's every going boat, to be eleventh um, hour. Um, basically, they'll always be nipping there. They probably won't be the fastest on the track, no. but they'll be finishing every leg. Oh, I yeah. think. I think it's. I think it's who finishes every leg. To be honest, I don't think uh, necessarily they will have someone winning every leg. I think you'll have someone, you know, finishing every leg. That's the key to this race. I see. Okay, they announced today that the race is going again in twenty twenty six. 
um, yep. in our mockers. Um, how many Amokas will be racing next year, next time? Six. <laughs> Not 20 or 30? Because there's... Oh, look, let, let's be honest. Let, and this is from a non-ocean race, uh, sort of, or well, someone who did it a long time ago in a, on a shore crew sort of sense, but you guys are heavily invested into the into the race a lot more than I was. Um, I think that they're, that they're waiting to... I think everyone is waiting to see what happens with this one. You know, yep. is is it viable to do uh, an around the world railroad race in a crew de mocker? Is it worthwhile? And is it is it uh, do you get some form of return? Because that's what it's about. Mm. It's not just about doing a race. I mean, there has to be an element of uh, you know. No, nah, it's the, the return investment. Yeah, um, exactly. There, there's no coincidence. The dates that they've put out, mm. they're going to um, slide in nicely to make sure that the mockers can do the Vonday, can right. do the route de rum, all those sorts of things. And it'll be up to the sponsor if they want to turn a 10 million euro campaign into a 20 million euro campaign. Correct. Um, if that makes it, because it's she's no cheap feat doing a uh, crude race around the world with stopovers. Um, so that is, yeah, people be watching with a sharp, sharp eye. Yep. I reckon, I reckon the end of this race will know. Which boat would you guys want to be going around on out of the Yamakas? Oh, now it's going on a Swan 60 Park. Yeah. <laughs> Swan 120. I thought we discussed this a long time ago. I think I think it might have even been our um, our, our um, first ever episode. You asked me that, and I said, nope. No, no, which boat? You have to go. Yeah. Which boat? And I said, I said, nope. <laughs> oh, that was no. my answer. <laughs> I'm going on the, the next boat I'm going on is the Guillaum Verdier yeah. um, tweet design. Um, or the last design prior to the next ocean race. The last design prior, yeah, so, prior to the next ocean. Oh. Yeah, basically, yeah, you don't. We don't know what it looks like. Yeah, yet. we don't know what it looks like. A tweaked version of what we've got coming up. Yeah, <laughs> you guys, you guys. What are you? What are you going on? Well, the one that's tallest. Five eight five. I can fit in. You're probably like one of them. I can't remember which one. One of them's like one point four meter headroom in the damn thing. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's good that's, for you, right? It's about the same size. <laughs> How, got to one, just add the body one, to it. One point four meter headroom. What about the rest of the body? <laughs> well, Melitza's at one point nine, so I'm going. Oh, I'm going easy. On yeah. Yeah. yeah, easy, no problems. Yeah. Yeah. You the won't problems. have to hold on to anything. Just straighten your legs. <laughs> <laughs> Samson post installed. And then, and then there's the bulkheads. You've got to get through them. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Um, right. well, either way, it's going to be fun. Um, I'm glad yeah. they got it off the ground. Uh, yeah. Absolutely crazy what they're going we to start will into. Be, we will be talking about it a lot. We do love it. Yeah. We do love the boats, and we uh, we wish every person in the event a safe passage as they head 100%. off. Percent. Yep. Yeah. Um, it is obviously a form of elite sailing, and we love that as well. So let's uh, let's get behind it. Cool. Yeah. Oh, good. Anything Before else? Nah. Um, well done, Bicey, for last week. By the way, fantastic. Loved it. Oh yeah. No, it was uh, pretty nice to. Well, receive all the all the accolades from everyone there, but reality is, I didn't do much at all. Um, you know, um, the whole team that got behind it, ran it, volunteers, race management. Um, my only job was to do the weather, and as I said in prize giving night, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> and it and you turned it on. I must admit, I didn't think. I thought you were losing a bit of strength towards the end, but uh, it hung in there, didn't it? Yeah, certainly did. Yeah, definitely. Uh, very, very good. Well done. A great regatta. Cool. 
Right, right lads, there's so much stuff coming up. Um, we're yep. in for a good time. I can't wait. Um, yeah, yep. no. We believe we have a very, very, very special guest this week or next week coming up. So now I've put the mocker on it. Hopefully uh, I don't uh, put a curse on it rather than the reverse curse. Um, but, yeah, best of luck to everyone in the ocean race. Be safe. And yep. uh, Good on you. All right. See you, boys. See Cheers. You we could have done prize giving live. Oh, could have. That was a